Welcome to the One Glasgow podcast. At One Glasgow, we bring together students from diverse backgrounds through cultural exchange and collaboration. On our podcast, you will hear from international students on topics ranging from cultural awareness to international student issues. I'm Paloma, your podcast host for today, where we will be covering the housing crisis that is severely impacting students in Glasgow. Today, we are joined by Chaitra, a finance student in her second year and general representative of the University of Glasgow's Student Representative Council. Hi, Chaitra. Welcome to our podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. Well, to start off, uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, where you come from? Okay, my name is Chaitra. I'm a second year finance student at Glasgow Uni. I come from south of India and I've moved here to do my undergrad. So tell us then, how did you find yourself in this pickle of a situation, this uh, student who is the situation in Glasgow? So it basically started this year, March. Uh, all of my friends were booking their accommodations and I thought it was my chance to because my contract was ending as well. So I was looking for student accommodations as usual and then they were all sold out by March. I thought there'd be at least one student accommodation would have at least like one room for me. But then all the accommodations in Glasgow were sold out. The only ones that were available were Paisley, which obviously I can't commute to and fro from Paisley because the Glasgow Uni won't cover the charges. That's when I understood that, okay, I'm going to be homeless. I have nowhere to stay and I should probably start looking for flats now. That's when I started hunting for flats again. That sounds like an incredibly stressful situation that you are in. How did you go ahead from the um, flat hunting situation? What happened then? Right. So um, so at this point, me and my flatmates, none of us had a student accommodation booked for the coming academic year. So we thought we'll just take a flat, a 3BHK, and then just move in. We thought it's going to be smooth, like, you know, everyone does that, whatever. But when we started hunting for flats that's when we realized how the actual process is until then we had no idea we just thought you book a flat you view it and then you pay the deposit but it's a lot more than that so we were starting calling up agencies and like we were on websites like right move and like zoopla looking for flats and then we had to book a viewing and then go for the viewing and Apparently, you have to apply here for the flat. You just don't get it if you like it. So we had to apply for multiple flats. And if the landlord selects you, that's when you get the flat. And you have to pay stuff and like take things forward from there. But until then, it's not first come, first serve. It's the fact that a landlord should like your application. And then that's when you guaranteed the flat. That's interesting about the application. Something I haven't come across before. Do you maybe want to tell us a little bit more about how what this application was all about and like what was the criteria, I guess, for selection? Right. So it was more like, to be honest, it was mostly a money-minded thing. If you're offering the landlord six months rent, there were higher chances of you getting the flat because most of them would offer like three months deposit or stuff like that. But People were looking for money, I'd say, and then they knew the demand was very, very high. At this point, we didn't know how bad the situation was. We thought it was just us because we didn't book it before. So for you to get selected, at least the things I did for, you know, getting selected was we'd offer them three months rent along with the deposit at once. 
because uh, it was just not me it was me and my other friends so not all of us could give 6 months together which is a lot of money so it was either that or if it was a 3 bhk um, there's a hmo rule if the house doesn't have the hmo license three strangers can't live together like they will not offer you the flat so i and my friends would lie about us being a couple or like you know cousins or whatever like she's indian as well so we'd be like oh you know we're cousins we've moved in together for undergrad or we'd like oh she's my girlfriend or we'd like get random people from facebook to live with us and we're like oh we're boyfriend girlfriend we're in a relationship and we had to do all sorts of things for flats that didn't have hmo because most flats don't have hmo in order for a flat to have an hmo the landlord should pay the government for the license so people choose not to pay the government and then they just offer it to families and stuff like that so we needed everything in our hands to like make sure we're not home like we don't have a place to stay so we did all of that and then um yeah it was money lying about you know relationships or whatever and offering them immediate move in because most of them were looking for instant move in but at this point it was i think only april and we my contract for my accommodation was until september and we offered we'll move in august even though we might lose one month's rent in our accommodation we were fine with that they're like no we need instant move in so we lost a lot of flats because we couldn't move in instantly because they said we'd have to pay the rent up until september so it was us paying for a flat where we were not going to live until september and also for the current flat which is a lot of money for no reason so that's how we lost a lot of flats as well wow sounds incredibly stressful um so how did the timeline work like until until when was this back and forth going on because from what i'm hearing there was no um, there was all this uncertainty with like private housing there's then there were no more student accommodations available so until when was this like a major issue for you like that you were uh, that you were having this housing insecurity issue so once we realized there were no student accommodations whatsoever we did assume there'd be some cancellations because what we heard from the um, student accommodation agencies were they said people who have booked they were first years freshers so you don't know if you got your spot or not because they've not given their a levels and they've not had their results so they told us there might be cancellations we'll put you on the waiting list we're like fine fair enough so we're on the waiting list and as time passed on it was may it was june none of them were getting back to us and there were no flats we were getting as well like our applications were getting declined that's when we realized that oh okay this is something very fishy like there's a high chance we might not end up with anything and then it was just us but slowly half of my accommodation that i was living in back then they all started looking for flats so we were collectively looking for flats together at least 25 to 30 people were looking for flats together so that's when we realized that it's not just us it's really everyone because of the amount of intake universities have taken over the past 2 years and this year as well so i think the major issue was people booking their accommodations before they even got their results so because of them paying the deposit people who already study here couldn't do anything about it so 
we were quite confused with what was happening because we knew most of them might not even get their places. But at the same time, the waiting list was so long that despite cancellations being there, people didn't get back to us because there were hundreds and hundreds on the waiting list. And then it was May, it was exam season. And then we were at a point where between our exams, we'd go for viewings, finish our viewings, come back, give our exams, again, go for viewings. Because it's so difficult to even get a viewing. If you're getting a viewing, you've hit the jackpot. Like there's a chance that you might get a flat. Most of the time, you won't even get a viewing. They're like, it's booked. Like they take only 10 people for a viewing and there's like 20 people fighting for the flat. So all of this was happening and we, all of us were going away as well for home for vacations or like other stuff in general and that's when we got an information from uni saying oh please don't register for the coming year if you don't have a flat and I and my flatmates are international students there's no way we can go back to our home country and come back after an year so we um, sent an email to the uni asking for accommodation we we're like we tried our best, we've given it all, but we can't find anywhere to stay. Could you please help us? Hoping Murano being the biggest accommodation the uni has, they'll have two rooms. They got back to us saying that uh, they don't know how many students they're taking in this year because results were not out yet, but they can only offer us a place if Murano is not entirely booked. So the only, that's the only thing they told us. And then we told them that we get it, like, but this won't be finalized until September. And by the time we might not have anything if we're depending on you. They're like, oh yeah, but that's the only option we've got. Like, okay, fair enough. And then we started looking again, but we were so hopeless to the point we genuinely needed university to help us in some other way, because not just being uh, international students, you need to have a UK guarantor to get a flat here. So there should be someone from the UK who will sign the lease with you saying you will pay the rent or it's just, he's just your guarantor. So that's mandatory for international students. And our applications were also getting rejected because we didn't have them. So being part of the university, we expected the university to like help us in some sort, like either for like being our guarantor because we pay the university. So they know that we are going to stay here. So any sort of help. But in the university, only thing they offered was they could give us information about how things like this work, like how the how do you get a guarantor, how to not get scammed, how to search for flats. But obviously, I get it. They can't be our guarantors. So they got back to us again saying, uh, OK, the last option is we've got few hostels. You can stay there. But obviously, we are students. We would not like to live in a hostel. And we're not working, so it's not an environment where we would like to go home after uni. So that's June, I'd say, was the proper time when we realized that we were part of the housing crisis. Okay, yeah. Um, and so this whole issue um, has now impact, has began in March, you said, of this year, yeah, yeah. and it continued until June. No, it continued until August, until I got my flat, actually. Okay. And I was very lucky that I got a flat because I know many people who couldn't bag one. But so I went back home in August. I went back to India. My flatmate stayed here. So she was, look, she was already homeless at this point. Her contract was only until July. 
and mine was until September. So she was living in my room until then. I was in India, she was in Glasgow and because of the time difference, whenever there was a flat released on the website, I'd get to know before she did. So I'd send her the link and then she'd call them up, try to book stuff. So at this point, it was not just us, it was a lot of Glasgow Uni students. So there's a, uh, there's, I think, three Facebook pages regarding the housing crisis. So people looking for flatmates or flats or anything at that point, people were desperate. So we were part of those, we would post if we had a lead or if others had a lead. So we were all part of them trying to get flats or whatever. And that's when my um, flatmate had her course mate text her that, oh, we've got a flat, that we need two others though. And that's how I got a flat. But this would have continued maybe even until now if I never got a flat. And I know people who still don't have a flat. And then th there's a whole person living in my flat because she doesn't have a place to go. And she's my friend. So yeah, it, it's still going on. So she, so this friend of yours is basically like... So yeah, yeah, see, because uh, these flats, they've turned the living rooms into bedrooms as well. So they're a little bit massive. So the one with the biggest bedroom, she, my friend is living there as of now because she couldn't get anything and she was also scammed. And housing scams are very, very common. You have to be very careful because people assure you that oh we're gonna if you pay the deposit the flat is yours but it's not there's a lot of government things you need to know because for example for the deposit case uh there's a scottish deposit locker or something basically your deposit will be in that locker until you leave the flat and it's under the government so you can't get scammed and as soon as your contract ends the money will come back directly into your account so it's properly dealt with the government involved and the agencies involved so there's no way you'll get scammed but then most of them are not aware of this so they just assume that you just pay the deposit and then you move in and there's a high chance you pay the deposit and the agency won't even contact you back or whoever the person you're talking to regarding the flat won't contact you back and you lose the money. That happened with my friend. That's how she lost her money and then she had nowhere to go because she had saved up for it. But then it was basically a scam. So she just moved in with us for the time being. So what I'm hearing is that was six months um, of your life as a university student that you had to live in uncertainty and fear of being stranded in a foreign country um with no support yeah. mm -hmm. and with just everything turning on you um do you maybe want to speak about how this impacted your university experience your academics and like just co-curriculars in general so when, I, when it all started in march it was fine because it was just a casual thing we were just doing it whenever we were free but when it got to May, it was so critical because we knew we were in a situation where we had to get a flat or because we cannot go back to our countries because of the visa issues and I already took a gap year in my life so I can't take one more just because I can't find a place. So during this I had my final exams. It was so bad to the point my I remember my flatmate she's a med student she had placements so with med students they have placements every week and then her exams are coming up as well she had reports to do she'd go to her placement 
properly beg her supervisors that she has to go to the viewing she'd leave her placement go get a viewing done and go back to the hospital and she was trying there was a lot of money involved as well for ubers because you have to be on time if you're not on time they leave the agency people will leave they will not even inform you and they'll just blame it on you that oh you were not on time and we can't waste our time so she had to take a lot of ubers for that from i think she was in dumfries at a point and then she had to come from dumfries just for a viewing and go back to dumfries there was a lot of stress which i don't think already being a uni student and being a med student you have to go through and then i had my finals i remember this so well on may 5th i had my final exam it was a two hour exam i had a viewing before my final exam and after at this point i wanted my friend to go for the viewing but all of us have our different lives like all of us are busy and she couldn't make it so just right before my exam i got a viewing done came back gave my exam and then went again so the only process was a oh, book of book of viewing go to the viewing apply get a rejection because most of the time it was a rejection and just go back again so the circle kept going on and on and on and on and it was very 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 exhausting because we had no answers for our parents you obviously will get stuff from parents saying why were you not responsible enough to book a student accommodation but we didn't know we genuinely didn't know they were going to get sold out that's sort of not enough all because it's a new country we've moved in what 6 months like back then it was just 6 months so we didn't know student accommodations would just vanish because when we were booking while moving into the country they were all available so we just assume maybe like feb march they'll still be there so our parents were scolding us and there was no flat no accommodation there was exam stress and she was working part time and i was also doing side hustle stuff like internships i was looking for stuff like that and it was it was just a lot it was not easy right and having no support in a new country was just so exhausting all we wanted was a place to live i mean it's 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 so it's so normal to like think that even if the entire world turns against you you will have a home to go back exactly. to and when when that's not there it's like all um, hope is lost and with the thing with flats is you have to go on a budget because for student accommodations your rent is bills included yeah. with flats it's not like that you have to arrange your own wifi your own gas your everything is different it's just not included so there was a budget issue as well because with student accommodations we pay once and we can do whatever we want even heating it's up to us but here we had no clue how to approach gas or like even for wifi for that point and then we reached a point where we were ready to pay how much ever it takes like we were on a strict budget of 500 pounds without bills because we knew with the bills it come to 600 or something then we kept increasing our budget slowly as time kept passing because in a certain budget you can't get flats and we were not getting anything so we kept increasing increasing we reached 800 pounds just without i mean it was just for rent without bills which i think for a student is very very expensive when you're not even working and it's your parents who are paying so that kept happening in once we reached 800 that's when we realized that we can't go beyond this because it's just 1000 pounds for what for a room and your bills on top and for one entire year 
that's not student life and you it's not like we get money like scottish students or like i don't know people from england who take bank loans or whatever they get their student finance every month but us international students we don't get any student finance so all of the money should be handled by us or our parents and if we were not working and we reached a point where we were like oh maybe we should start working because we can't burden our parents with this excessive amount of money it's too much money and then again as i told being uni student and part time and or med student and part time it's just a lot of stress which is not necessary at that point i mean in my personal opinion um i completely agree with you because as international students i'm also one uh, we personally like we're anyway paying more than anyone else is and exactly. then it is a toll asked to our uh, to have students increase their budget for accommodation something as as basic as that um and i i know you've spoken about like the university's response to that but do you think that was do you think they did enough or they they were able to because i know that universities at the beginning of the year when you're signing up or like when you're joining universities they they sort of like promise that they will support you in whatever it is that you uh need support with and d- d- based on that sort of promise do you think that they did enough or that they they had enough communication and that they could do everything they could to be honest i don't think they've done enough because if they've done enough i would definitely not be in that situation but more than us it's the university that's going to know how many students are coming in just in the country as well because i know glasgow uni is not the only uni here there's other universities as well but they would know the intake of students and they know the how many present students are there how many are graduating or whatever so when they're taking in students it's a basic thing that you you know you have to think that oh there's students from all over the world so where will they live but i felt they've not considered that at all and coming to their response i know it's not entirely in the hands because i'm not a first year if i was a first year i'm pretty sure they would have arranged something but my thing is i get it that you guys are there for first years but what about the existing year like second third fourth or fifth or masters or phd because of first years because of the new intake we don't have a place to live because there came a point where freshers were looking for flats and obviously because they're from the uk they know how to look for flats they know how to handle the paperwork but international students like us we were losing out on a lot of flats because include it was the competition between freshers second third fourth and fifth years so you realize this that's a lot of people so you had to i don't know maybe hire some other building or like construct something but like just be there because we pay more than anyone and when you're taking so much money from us it's the least thing you could do is assure accommodation at least for maybe like a month until we find we're not asking for oh entire year is your responsibility because we're very much capable of minding our own stuff but at least for a temporary solution there should have been something like i don't know when people leave morano during july or august whenever the contract ends i felt like they could have accommodated us or people who are looking for flats for a certain while and then when once we find our flat we move out but we were at a point where we were literally most of them were on the streets without flats moving in with their friends or like going back home because they didn't have a flat 
So they could have definitely have done better. And on top of that, not just helping us out, is the fact that there was an accommodation called for Hillcourt. That's where I used to live. Because of the intake of students has increased immensely, they basically bought that accommodation. So Glasgow Uni had bought for Hillcourt and it was no longer a private accommodation. And most of them who booked the accommodation, like I think second, third years, my friends, they were um, asked to like, they, you know, they were offered that they'll get their deposit back, they'll have to go somewhere else because Glasgow Uni wanted to accommodate first two students. And none of them told us that Glasgow Uni bought it until this year, September. Like we had no clue. We just assumed Hill Court as a private accommodation is taking in only first years. Because when I lived there and I was, I emailed the receptionist asking, I, I want to continue my contract. She said, oh, no, we're taking only first years. We don't like, because they're new to the place or whatever. We don't want to take second, third and fourth years. That's the reply we got. So you can't be buying the private accommodations too, because if it's not you, it's private accommodations that we go to. So what's the point then? It's all for freshers. What about us? So yeah, they could have yeah, maybe thought about this before. At least I'd say one and a maybe from like 2020, because that's when the intake started increasing and even this year. I think it really shows you sort of a mirror because Glasgow Uni loves talking about how they have 30,000 students and counting and they're always so proud of it, how the number just keeps increasing every year. But then often most people who are enticed by the idea of these many students and the prestige of the university don't understand the issues behind Mm -hmm. accommodating these many students with there being other major universities in the city. So those are some very, very valid things that you've uh, said. But anyway, we've gotten so much insight from you. And I think our listeners have learned a lot more about the housing crisis. Um, So to wrap up, I know that uh, this must still be fresh for you. But do you think, is is there anything that helped you? Maybe like a mindset, a way of thinking, something... um, some any any advice you may have for people who may still be experiencing the housing crisis um advice i mean it's a very difficult time because you're so uncertain about your situation but i'd say just just give it all man like that is literally you can do because there's nothing from your side that'll make things better it's genuinely luck it's pure luck i know people give their best and they think oh why is stuff not going the right way but it's not you though like you shouldn't you shouldn't beat yourself for thinking oh why didn't I book a student accommodation because even if you did I mean they were all booked by freshers not even like existing students so just stay positive like have hope you'll find something and you will because I had hope and I did luckily yeah hope is quite powerful and I think for next year Hopefully, students start looking for accommodation. I'm booking it in December. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to book it in December. But yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast, Chetra. This was very, very insightful. No problem. Thank you for having me. It was lovely to share because I've been through so much and I hope people listening to this, you know, relate to it and are like, oh, yeah, it's not just us. It's a lot of others. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here.